is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Fighting Cock, The Lab, and joined today by Ben Bowman. How you doing? Is it Ben Bowman? Ben Bowman. It is, yeah, it's Ben Bowman. And uh, Ben, you have a TikTok account called Ben Talks Football, which focuses largely on Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, it does. So I started about a month ago, just kind of talking all things Tottenham on there, really, uh, with a focus kind of on some of the youth players, which we're obviously going to talk about today, but kind of all aspects of the club as well in terms of just like instant match reviews, all that kind of thing, but also talking about um, any kind of fan issues and kind of going into video essays on certain players and stuff like that. So, yeah. You um, you actually had a video that blow up a little bit, which was um, when you was um, having a go at an Arsenal fan, wasn't you? What was that about? Yeah, well, he there's this guy on uh, TikTok um, who's an Arsenal fan who kind of gets a little bit of stick from not just Spurs fans, but other fan bases just for being like a little, well, typical Arsenal fan, really. And I think he so he made a loot, he made a video in the aftermath of us beating Luton, basically saying that Luton deserved to be relegated. Um, you know they're not competitive enough on all this kind of stuff. And I just kind of like it was one of those ones where I'd come in from a bit of a night out and had a few beers, and I was just like, I need to react to this because it's just like <laughs> the way he was digging out there. I think it was just like the way he was digging out their team and their fans for kind of saying like, oh, how can they, how can they put up with this, and how can they watch this every week? It was just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit out of touch. And also, I'd seen a few things on this guy before about how he's from, I think he's from Hereford. And it's just like, it kind of comes with that entitled part of, you've chosen to support Arsenal, you've kind of chosen to support a big team. That doesn't really give you the right to kind of yeah. shit on other fan bases, basically. Oh, mate, so it was I'm just mate, a bit... I'm with you there completely. There seems to be an epidemic of, now that social media is so easy, and TikTok's so easy, and YouTube's so easy, in, in order yeah. to you know, publish stuff and get your voice heard. Um, yeah. There seems to be this kind of epidemic of kids who've chosen to support one of the top six sides. Top six sides. Yeah. And then looks back, look back at other, um, other clubs and other, other, other teams and ridicule them. All, all that's happened is you've chosen to support a big club. You have absolutely no right to, exactly. it was like, there's these three lads on, um, 
there was this free lads that they recorded they were saying how can anybody support QPR just QPR yeah. it's infuriating he goes how could you ever just support you need a big club as well you need a big club as well and you're like you lot are clueless like, if yeah that you don't is, get it yeah if, this, if that is the modern uh, the version of what football fans are i.e. one that lives only online and watches football only online and, and isn't a part of the culture of a, a football club and why that's so important, then your opinion is completely invalid. But I feel like it's going to become more and more of an issue. Luckily, there was a bit of a pylon and they got slaughtered. And so they should, because they should really be aware of how offensive and irritating what they're saying was. Anyway, um, that's, that's not what we're here to talk about, is it, today, Ben? We're actually going to talk about how exciting our development setup is at Tottenham Hotspur. And as we speak... If Tottenham beat Fulham tonight, we will be top of the tree. Our under-21s are top of the league, and our under-18s are top of the league. Now, one other, like you could say, under-21s being top, early start to the season, six games in, Spurs being top of the league, all right, it's rare, but it does happen, and it could be a bit of a coincidence, but it feels like it isn't a coincidence because at every significant level, including the women's side before this weekend, or certainly at the start of this weekend, they were top of the league as well. What... What's do you, can you do? You, is is this what's happening? Is is something happening, or is this just all a massive coincidence that, that this is all happening at the same time? No, I, th- I think something is happening. I think if you look at how last year, how well the under seventeens performed, and how well the under eighteens performed, and they've kind of blossomed into this really successful under twenty one side that's now top of the PL two, has won six out of six in the league, has won nine out of nine in all competitions. Obviously, the under twenty ones really struggled last year, and they were only really spared relegation because of a vote and change in the competition's format. I think there was a little bit of context to that in the sense that we had some of our more promising players out on loan away from the club and injuries and stuff like that. But the way they've managed to turn things around this season with that crop of under-17s and under-18s players that came through last year has been remarkable. And it's like they're scoring goals for fun. That's 21 goals scored across those first six games in the league, letting in just three. And I think as well, we've let go of su- we've let go such a kind of crop of promising talent over the last few years from our academy because I think they don't really see necessarily an opportunity to break into the first team. You look at the likes of... Marcus Edwards, I know a lot of well, a lot was kind of made about his departure and whether it was to do with his attitude, which I think a lot of, a lot of people who don't necessarily know too much kind of label at a lot of those young players. And you've also got the likes of Noni Madueke, who Chelsea bought from PSV, who we let go. And then the most recently is probably Romain Mundell, who left this year as well, who was really high, highly talented prospect in the under-21s, who's left essentially for more game time. And I think it kind of all stems from the fact, I know we were talking about this earlier, is it kind of... Is it a coincidence of these young players all coming through at the same time or is it kind of systematic of how Spurs have invested in not just the facilities but in terms of getting the right people in to kind of to coach these players or to even even from the top from the first team now. I think you've got a manager in Postacoglu who we've seen who has empowered and trusted in a a young side in the first team. Obviously you look at the likes of Destiny Adogi, who's only 20, Mickey van der Ven, 22, Kulizewski, Poro are all young players as well. And I think that trust that he's kind of implemented from the top of the club since he's come in in the summer has allowed a lot of these young players to kind of play with freedom and confidence at these younger age, group, age groups because they actually see a potential path to the first team now. I think, um, I think sometimes you have, to get, you have to get lucky in an academy because it's not often that you get such a talented crop coming through in one go. And I'm not for one second comparing this Tottenham 
than you've set up to the class of 92 by any stretch but you know they had a little bit though a little bit a little bit maybe <laughs> well well yeah we know ne- you never know do you like it's just it's uh, it's such an exciting time to be a Spurs fan in general and I think like you look at some of these players now and you think you could kind of see how it all pieces together and how they could fit in but with that United side in the early 90s when they all come through it was that was kind of an anomaly that you had like six or seven players or whatever it was that all came through at the same time and I think again you had a manager then in Alex Ferguson who liked to kind of work with these young players because because young players are they're impressionable and malleable and I think they are you know you need to kind of have these players with their eyes wide open and grab these opportunities when you give it to them and I think we've seen that on a larger scale to the younger players that we've actually bought in and paid a lot of money for like Van der Ven and Adogi maybe but I think it presents a real opportunity now for some of these young players to kind of grab that. And you've seen the likes of Jamie Donnelly and Alfie Dorrington who've been training regularly in the mm. first team basically throughout the whole season. And Postacoglu has name-checked those players as two that have really stood out to him. And I think it's kind of easy to see why. And I think now as well, now that um, now that Harry Kane's left Tottenham and he's kind of left that legacy of being one of the players that came through Tottenham more recently and you know look what he went on to achieve like club record goal scorer and all of, all of those feats i think now you've got someone who is essentially the poster boy for that academy and essentially is kind of the hallmark and the standard of what some of these players can potentially achieve like yeah. it's it's unrealistic to say that these players are all of these players are going to go and achieve what Kane did because you know he's he is the best striker in the world for me and as much as it kind of hurts to see him banging in goals for Bayern Munich as he did again at the weekend and for England he is something that we should look on and be be proud of. And I think that um, a lot of these younger players who are there now and who were there while Kane was there as well, kind of almost look to him as that yeah, beacon of what example. we can achieve. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, you know, the, so you mentioned about the, some of the players that we let managed to let go or, or weren't willing to sign longer-term contracts because they didn't see a route to the first team. Also, yeah. was I mean, the fact the type of manager we've had over the last well, three years before um, Postacoglu in Mourinho, obviously Santo was there for a very short amount of time. But Conte as well. They, these aren't managers that particularly um, de- develop or, or encourage a, a, a easy pass from 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 development football into first team football. It, it, was that a part of it? And what makes it different now? Like you mentioned, the fact that Postecoglou has talked about Dorrington and and uh, Donnelly, but is it is it that there is that, that there is this sort of systematic idea that we are going to be producing young players? Like the development setup is now in a position where it's producing players of a significant quality and combined with it, we have a manager in Postacoglu that's open to using these young players. Is it as simple as that? Yeah, I think so. Because I think you look at Conte, for example, who, to his credit, there was a couple of players that he gave, you know, sparing opportunities to in Harvey White, who played a few first-team minutes last season, etc. But there's a lot of talk that's come out of Tottenham that essentially he kind of used a lot of these younger players as as bodies and as as cones essentially in training during the time that he was there and also now I think and also to, to Nuno's credit obviously I think he used Oliver Skip quite a lot who at that point was two years younger and he was a regular basically in that team until he was sacked and then and then Conte liked him as well but I think Conte kind of as soon as he got the chance to look into the transfer market in January and bring in someone like Benton Core and obviously that kind of coincided with Skip's injury as well Yeah, but it kind of gave him an excuse to kind of not have to look to those young players as much. But I think 
when you listen to I was listening to an interview with Wayne Burnett who's the under 21s coach and has been for a few years now he um, he was talking about how I think this was off the back of Tottenham's last Premier League 2 game in which we beat Chelsea for two a couple, uh, nearly a month ago now we've kind of had a little bit of a break from action um, he was essentially talking about how his responsibility is to prepare these players for first team football and that's essentially what he sees his job as and I think I can't remember whether it was Windy on the extra inch that was talking about this, but I definitely heard someone say that for the first time, essentially, in God knows how long, or basically ever since we've kind of had a proper proper academy structure and that we've moved to Hotspur Way and really kind of invested in it in such a way that these younger teams now from the, you know, from the under 16s, 17s, 18s, all the way up to the Premier League 2 side and the under 21s are actually kind of being coached and encouraged to play in the same way that the first team are. And I think this is something that we've sort of seen at Manchester City that uh, Pep's come in and kind of, you know, he is um, essentially the, you know, he he kind of, he wants total control. He wants to be able to oversee everything and he wants to be able to have young players who are willing and hungry to come through that have already been coached in a way that doesn't require him to kind of mould them out of the shape in which they've already developed. He wants mm. players that are kind of ready to come in and, and play if they can. And I think we're kind of seeing the same thing at Spurs for the first time in what feels like a very long time and I think it's no coincidence that you're seeing such a talented crop of players come through now yeah definitely I think also there's this idea certainly from Spurs fans and any fan of their respective football clubs they look at their young players and think well why aren't like why can't they just come on and 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 why does it take them so long to settle in and why more crucially there's so many just not make it like they, they could be tipped and and have post amazing numbers in the uh, in the development setup but when it comes to first in football the, the gap is just too big but then when you think of it intellectually you look at the you look at the gap between the bottom half of the premier league and the top half it's gargantuan right and these kids yeah. are coming from youth football under 21s under 18s and into a, a club that is aiming to finish in the, in the champions league places this season if not more so the gap is huge and like the expectation of these players shouldn't be so significant the fact that when they do start that you know, you look at it and go, actually, ah, oh, no, we know he's never going to be right. He's never going to be ready. And I think the case in point more recently would have been with Troy Parrott and Jose Mourinho when the whole this kid was banging in goals left, right, and centre in the under twenty ones or under twenty threes, whatever it was back then. But as yeah. soon as he made that jump up, it, it was clear that he wasn't ready. And it's just about, I guess, giving these players time and into in um, the manager. Was it uh, Burnett's uh, Wayne yeah. Burnett's? Uh, point is that he needs to prepare as much as he can these play players for when they get the opportunity but it needs to be a gradual holistic approach where they're integrated into the first team training as as we've seen with Donnelly and Dorrington um for it to to be effective I would assume um so talk, talk to me about um you know, three three of the players that most excite you in our development you've got Jamie Donnelly who's um absolutely pulling up trees 18 years old pulling up trees in the under 21s been training with the first team but what can you tell me about him yeah, so I think with Jamie, I think many kind of see him as one of the closest players to breaking through into first-team football at Spurs. He's obviously already been on the bench for us this season against Liverpool. And like you mentioned there, he's been training regularly with the first team. He's one of two players, like I mentioned earlier, that Postacoglu was kind of name-checked as two that have really stood out to him. And I think it's easy to see why. He Last year, he was a key part of that under-18 team that won the Premier League Cup um, last year. So far this season, he's already got seven goals and seven assists in eight, in eight, in eight games for Spurs across the Premier League too and, and all the other competitions as well. I think the main thing that people are getting excited with Donnelly is that, you know, obviously we talked about Harry Kane previously. I think in terms of his 
profile in terms of the way he plays, but also his physical makeup. There's been a lot of comparisons to to Kane in the way that he likes that role just behind the striker. I think Don Lee is one of those that, like Harry Kane when he was first breaking through, and we sort of saw it more almost at the two bookends of Kane's time at Tottenham. When, when Kane was breaking through the academy, he often played in the number 10 just behind the striker. And then obviously when he first broke through, because there was such a need of a proper number nine at Spurs with the fact that it, our options were essentially Soldado and Adebayor and Kane got that chance as the number nine and, and kind of ran with it. But it's always kind of been thought that Kane's best, not necessarily position, because I think positions on the pitch aren't the most important thing all the time, but his his role and um, within the team is to kind of drop a little bit deeper and link up play, but also be there to finish the chances, almost kind of sharing a mess. And I think Donnelly has showed that because in the games that we've played so far this season, he hasn't really played as an out-and-out striker. He's played in that number 10 role kind of floating around you've got Judson at Bell who we bought from Chelsea and you've also got Niall John who have kind of floated between those two striker positions and Donnelly likes to operate in the space behind that I went to watch the um, game at Stevenage about a month ago that Spurs beat Chelsea 4-2 and Donnelly scored twice in that game and I think what stood out to me you know I've, I've watched him plenty of times on like through various you know, live streams on Spurs play or you see highlights packages and stuff like that but what stood out to me actually seeing him in the flesh is his physical makeup compared to a lot of those other younger players I think yeah. he um, I think he uses his body so well he's quite he's not the quickest but he's very kind of agile and fleet of foot for someone that's his size and in the position that he plays but his technique on the ball is just outstanding there was a the first goal he scored in that game where Tottenham Tottenham won up early then Chelsea turned it around and in the second half Tottenham it wasn't exactly our most impressive performance I don't think of the season and maybe not his most impressive in terms of the way he actually played. But the two goals he scored in that game were just shows you've got a young player that's full of confidence. The first goal, he um, Spurs worked it up the pitch. And I think, I can't remember where it was from, like a, a clearance from Chelsea or not, but the goalkeeper was essentially stranded outside of his goal. And Donnelly just took it on from about 40 yards close to the touchline and just put it beyond him. And we saw a goal as well, I think, that he scored for the under-18s last year, where he lobbed the keeper basically from just inside their half. I can't remember who it was against, but from just inside their half. Mm. And the keeper was basically nearly uh, pretty much on his line. He had the technique to lift it over him. So he's not shy of kind of taking on those those kind of low XG chances, should we say. But yeah. he, and I think that's something we also saw with Harry, right? How many times did he try and like have the confidence to try and lob keepers from miles out? We actually saw Harry Kane do that against Juventus in that pre-season friendly. Yeah. But, and then there was the second goal that he scored in that game. Spurs worked it really nicely on the edge of the box and he dropped the shoulder and then just put it back, whipped it across left foot uh, with his left foot into the bottom corner. So kind of reminiscent of Harry Kane in the way that he likes to kind of You're, find those corners. You've mentioned Harry Kane a lot. Is it, is it, is it that he, because when I saw, when I've, when I've seen him in, I don't know, all I've seen is YouTube clips, right? When obviously yeah. you're seeing the best moments, but his movement and his, um, his, his gait and the way he moves and his body shape is not dissimilar to the way Son moved that in, in you know the way he carries the ball is that fair yeah. fair thing to say it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think so. I think you've probably got other players in our youth setup that are maybe more similar to to someone like Sonny, but I think I think that's a fair kind of comparison. I don't think he's necessarily... I mentioned that I think for someone his size, he's definitely got uh, agility and the way he carries the ball is really, really impressive. But I think his... It's maybe more his movement off the ball and the way he likes to kind of drop deeper to link up the plays, kind of... I'd point it more to a comparison to, to Harry Kane. But I think you're... You, like you mentioned Troy Parrott before, we've kind of we've been here before with a lot of these players, so it's I don't want to mention Harry Kane too much because I don't want to I don't want to get <laughs> carried just, away. You're, but you're just talking about the good things that Harry Kane done exactly, on the pitch, yeah, like the basic, those, yeah. essentially the basics of, of uh, and, and the best parts of his play. Doesn't mean yeah. that he's on that level or will ever reach that level. It's just how to compare. Definitely it. not, definitely not. And also, you've seen that with Kane that the fact that he's one of the only players that kind of did break through during that time. We had a lot of promising players around him, like. Alex Pritchard, who's gone to, who's gone on to have like a decent career in his own right, and obviously now we've seen Harry Winks move on from Tottenham. Who I think it's easy to forget. I know we're kind of going off on a bit of a tangent in terms of position, but it's it's. I think my point is is that it's easy to um, forget how hard it is for some of these players to break through. Course, so those comparisons yeah. for Harry, I think, are more just in terms of his play style, and I think it's just really encouraging to see someone like that who plays with that kind of freedom and and is so isn't despite his goal record like I said he's got seven goals in eight games this season for Spurs but he's also got seven assists so that kind of points to the fact that he's really really keen on kind of dropping a little bit deeper and threading those balls through and I think if you look at the first team and obviously we haven't got there's, there's been so much chat around striker positions because of Richarlison and how he's kind of underwhelmed for sure and obviously now we've kind of moulded Sonny into this into this number nine. But I think one of the main areas that I think Spurs don't really have is cover for someone like James Madison. And I'm not saying that Donny for a second is um, necessarily a similar player to Madison, but I think in terms of you've got someone who just wants to operate a little bit behind the striker and link play, I think that's a hole in which maybe... Yeah, I was going to ask... Donny could potentially fit. So, so, yeah, so I was going to ask you that question. Is like, like if they, Say he was to start against Fulham this evening at the time of recording. We haven't played yeah. Fulham yet. If he was to start, and imagine there were injuries across the front line, and Jamie, yeah. Jamie Donnelly was was dropped in, would it be in midfield with, in Madison's role, or would he play along the front line somewhere? I think so. I think if you're obviously if you're talking about this specific game against Fulham, I think probably because no, I think not, not not specifically. I'm just saying. Imagine any game. If if, if we had an injury crisis, across, yeah. not 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 tactically okay. against Fulham, but yeah, if, if in a Premier League game. Yeah, I think it depends. I, I think there's that's probably the most likely because I think you're asking someone to... I think sometimes it's easier for younger players to come in and 
um, show what they're made of when they have a not more of an opportunity to actually be on the ball rather than sticking them up front and yeah um, and just you're more reliable, especially like with Sonny who you know say if he was coming in and was to play through the middle obviously Sonny isn't as involved as maybe someone like Harry Kane was in terms of dropping deep and linking up the play from a striker he likes to be in and around the box and I think although Donnelly's finishing is really impressive there's also an opportunity there's also a chance that he might go through games and not be involved as much and I think for a young player that's not I agree a really good point and, and 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 often you'll see a young player get brought on and they'll put him out wide even even defenders will play uh, in fullback positions when they're breaking through the position uh, through the yeah. team if if you're if there is a position that's isolated, i.e., the player is unlikely to be in as much of the game uh, as the other positions, it is our wide players. And if he was put in, if he was put in Richarlison's position or on the right against Kulusevski, unless you're in, incredible, it's sometimes quite difficult to get into the game. We've seen that with Richarlison. Yeah, um, I uh, think another example of that. Sorry, just quickly as well is um, Dane Scarlett. So when just before he moved on loan to Ipswich. Um, when we played against Fulham, actually, in the League Cup, he came on at half-time for Lacelso, And Dane Scarlett actually played in that sort of furthest forward attacking midfield spot like Madison like Madison would because Richarlison was playing through the middle. Mm. And I think, like, like, like we both just said, I think it's easy for strikers to come in at such a young age and be isolated. So you kind of want them to come in and just say, that's not Dane Scarlett's most suited position, I think. Out of all the number nines, maybe that Spurs have kind of have brought through over the last few years, or you know, have, have tried to bring through, and obviously you talked about Troy Parrott earlier. I think Scarlett is probably the most suited to being an actual proper number nine, and I think for Postecoglou to bring him on when we had Madison on the bench, I think Madison came on later in the game, but he brought Scarlett on at half time, and it was almost like you said, it's just like go and get involved, go and get on the ball because you've got someone ahead of you you're the pressure isn't on you to go and go and grab us an equalizer because we were one nil down in the game at that point it's almost just like go in play with a bit of freedom see what you can do get on the ball try and link up and be involved as much as possible so i think that's i think the position that donnie would be suited to the most if he was to you know if we kind of all of a sudden we had sonny richarlison and, and madison maybe out injured and i think he'd probably be the most suited to come in and play almost in that number 10 because yeah, it, it allows you to showcase the best of his talent profile in terms of the way he plays, but also just generally, I think it just gives you an opportunity to be far more involved. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Mikey Moore because they're even, I mean, Jamie Donnelly's hyped, but uh, Mikey Moore, there is a, a huge amount of hype around this kid. Uh, yeah. six, 16 years old, he's been playing with, with the under-21s at times, under-18s as well. Yeah. Um, what what's so excited about this kid? Why is everyone talking about? Him? I think with Mikey, like he just he he's electric, and I think he is one of those players that you often see in these youth teams that because there isn't a huge amount of pressure on these games, they're able to go out and play with so much freedom. And I think playing in that sort of attacking midfield left wing role that he sort of did a lot of last season for Spurs at under eighteen and under seventeen level. He just is allowed to go out and just play. And I think he's kind of... In in a video that I did about him on, on my TikTok, I kind of compared his kind of dribbling style to someone like Hazard because I think he's just kind of got that low... He's quite small. He's got that low centre of gravity. He's able to glide between players so so quickly, but he's also got such ruthless finishing. And I think there was, last season when Spurs did the under-17 and under-18 Premier League Cup double, in the under-17 final against Forest. 
he scored this goal that just went crazy on social media because the game was being streamed live on Spurs players, all of the other youth games are. But I think he scored this goal where he picked the ball up basically on the halfway line or just inside the Nottingham Forest half, jinked through essentially their whole midfield and defence and then slotted it in the bottom corner. And it was just like, wow, this kid has got... <laughs> just as you're like, talking this... there, I'm, I'm watching it now just on... on because if, if people want to see this goal, go to Mikey Moore's um, profile on the website... Uh, Spurs official website you can just you can watch it and he just like you say just glides through and just passes it into the corner of the net and it's just it's class isn't it yeah absolutely class and I think he there's no there's no it's an easy it's easy to see why he kind of made such an early step up so quickly like at just 15 years old he played a couple of games for the under 21s last season and it's kind of born out of essentially circumstances in the fact that the under 21s were struggling a little bit last season obviously I mentioned earlier that they were spared relegation just because of a technicality and a rule change basically to the format which we obviously saved our blushes a little bit and has also you know seen uh, helped us perform so well this season but with it's easy to see why he made such a quick leap through the ages so quickly in um he's performed so well for this season got another goal at the weekend against against Chelsea um in eight appearances so far for Spurs this season in the under 18s he scored nine goals and laid on six assists he also scored twice and set up two goals for England's under 17s in two games against Norway over the international break this was kind of coming off the back of a hat-trick that he scored against Norwich for the under 18s a couple of weeks ago there's a couple of really nice composed finishes in the box there and I think I mentioned before that last season he was kind of operating more as maybe a, a number 10 or or out wide kind of drifting in that sort of fluid attacking uh, system, but he's been playing more actually through the middle as a striker this this season. Which, if you look at maybe his physical makeup, was maybe quite surprising. But at, at that level, I don't think it matters necessarily as much. But I think it kind of brings the best out of the fact that he's able to just glide what, past players and his finishing often, is so ruthless. Often you you see where players at this level that if they do have that physical advantage, if they have developed super quick, um, that that they they use that physicality and and just can can essentially muscle the the players that are playing against because they're still children, right? Their bodies haven't developed into what they will do in the next couple of years. Uh, but that isn't the case with, with Donnelly or, or uh, Mikey Moore. It is very much a technical ability that they have that elevates them, which is encouraging because, you know, I think, well, I'm, I'm, I can't remember his name. We had this kid. You might not even remember this. It was that long ago. He was a, I was going to say a Croatian forward we had. And he was about six foot three, six foot four. He played up top. I cannot remember Gabriel's yeah. name. Um, and he he was he, he scored. He's basically scored a goal every game, but just because of his phys- physicality. Yeah, and he, he he never made it. I don't know what happened to him. He was incredible. He's posting like when you you mentioned about goals and assists and 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 how impressive it was for Mikey Moore and and um, and Donnelly. This kid was posting unbelievable figures and we're like when's he going to come to the first team and then you realize actually if he does all of the attributes he has that makes him successful at that level become nullified because he's playing against men um but but like i say with mikey moore and um and donnelly it's it's technical ability which elevates them which is really encouraging yeah exactly and also it's like easy to forget that he is just 16 years old and he in terms of his physical makeup he hasn't matured properly yet in terms of he's still growing into a man from a boy so it's it'll be interesting to see kind of how he develops physically over the next couple of years because you don't want that to kind of hamper the natural talent that he already has got and I think it's interesting that you say that about the other player who I can't remember the name of either but it does ring a bell is that I think sometimes you've seen it with a lot of these players I think there's, there's been a lot of chat recently about um 
injuries and a lot of younger players who have had to look at Hazard for example have had to like retire early or there's been talk about how many minutes someone like Jude Bellingham has played before the age of 20 and I think sometimes it kind of can go to the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of sometimes these players develop physically too quickly and then it kind of hampers them further down the line and maybe impacts the longevity of their career so I think it's that's definitely something to keep an eye on with Mikey Moore because like I said, he's very, he's slight, he's fleet of foot, he's got that low centre of gravity, um, which I think, and one thing as well is that people always talk about Brian Hill and say like, is he physical enough for the Premier League? But I think, you look at someone like Bernardo Silva and his physical makeup, I don't think it matters as much in the Premier League anymore because teams are so obsessed with like, control and having possession and their their play on the ball. So I don't, I think as long as you've got players who have got the talent and confidence to take things on, even though their physical makeup might not necessarily lend itself to playing, or you wouldn't think it would necessarily lend itself to playing men's football um, as young as they do. Um, look at someone like Doku as well that Man City have bought. He's very small, very slight, but he's kind of got that like he's almost got kind of got like the strength of an ox. Like he's quite small and but he's just got that real low centre of gravity but also strength to just go past players and glide past them but also get into physical battles with them and I think you know someone like Mikey Moore could develop into someone like that as a proper really kind of tricky winger or, or forward as well so it'd be interesting to see kind of what happens with his physical um, development but he's such an exciting one he was uh, picked as the best first year scholar at Spurs by the Guardian in a kind of near, uh, yearly next generation piece that they do um, and I think the most encouraging thing is and we'll go on to talk about this as well with Alfie Dorrington is that they've managed to keep Mikey Moore at the club. He signed a new long-term contract last year when there was a lot of rumours about potentially other clubs coming in for him and his his signature definitely being sought after because teams have seen the talent that he's got. You know, he's kind of been performing against all of these academies essentially week in, week out at nearly every age level now for Spurs. It's only really the under-21s that he's had some exposure to but hasn't necessarily cracked in terms of a consistent place. But I think that's just because of the talent that we've had that's been passed up from the under-18s last year and you look at that kind of generation of players now. But yeah, I think the fact that these players now, we obviously talked about some of the players earlier that have have left Spurs or have been let go because of their, you know, their their desire to play first-team football. And I think the fact that we've actually committed a lot of these players to a future at Tottenham for now at least, that's that's the most encouraging thing out of all of this. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Thomas Petcart. That was his name. Yes. He was a Czech, yeah, yeah, yeah. Czech forward we bought. Uh, and uh, yeah, he, he, he used to bad guys for fun. He's, he's now playing. He's 34 years old now. He's playing for Legia Warsaw. Um, I think he's got six goals in 11 <laughs> matches this season. Well, um, I mean, that's like, where are they? You know, you see like the where are they nows of like a Tottenham team from like a Tottenham youth team from 10 years ago. It's just that's one of the names that people are going, oh, yeah, I, I yeah. remember him. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Okay. So another another uh, player that's been um, talked about quite often is uh, Dorrington, uh, centre-back. Uh, yeah. Pet- Postacoglu mentioned the fact that, I don't know if this was a direct quote or, or it's someone said that he said that he said it. 
um, that 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 they were they're looking to Dorrington to uh, as a player that we can rely upon to to come in if the scenario presented itself. You know, a lot of the issues we've had with Eric Dyer being a drop off and not being the player that can can cope should should we have an injury to Romero or Van der Ven. Phillips and, and Dorrington seem to be trusted to some degree. And again, I don't know how true that is. It just seems to be the vibe that you're getting from conversations. What What is the opinion of Dorrington in the club? I think he's he's thought of very, very highly within the club. He was another one that I just mentioned that Spurs have managed to tie down to a new long-term contract. And it feels definitely as if he is part of the future of Spurs' defence. I think, obviously, like you said, he's been, he's been mentioned directly by Postacoglu. And there has been a lot of chat about what you just touched on there about whether he is that third or fourth choice centre-back alongside Ashley Phillips. And, you know, it's very likely, I'd imagine, that Eric Dyer would maybe move on in January or he at least signs a pre-contract agreement with another club to leave in the summer or leaves on a free at the end of the season. So I think this is now the ample opportunity to to give chances to these to these players. And I think Dorrington is really highly thought of. He's... He's very he's a ball playing centre back. He's very comfortable in possession in his passing, but also like in his ability to stride forward the ball that we and that's a kind of a trait and an attribute that we see of both of the centre backs in Tottenham's first eleven now. And another one of those is that the fact that he's so authoritative with his physicality and his height. And he's also very good in terms of the recovery. He's got decent recovery pace and obviously that's an attribute that we attribute to Mickey van der Ven. And I think it's easy to see why when you look at the physical makeup of these two centre backs that Tottenham are kind of blooding through at the moment in Ashley Phillips, who we signed from Blackburn in the summer, and Alfie Dorrington, that they are kind of clearly in that mould to then transition in, into the first team. Um, and obviously, I think... So Dorrington has been capped by England at basically every youth level, under 15, under 16. And now he's been, he was called up to the England under 19 squad recently for their games against Montenegro and Austria. He didn't actually play in those games, but Ashley Phillips did. And Ashley Phillips actually capped in England for both of those games. Uh, recently which was really encouraging to see and I think in terms of their development not just at Spurs but well obviously thinking of Spurs in mind is the fact that if these two are playing together week in week out for the under 21s as they have done for the most part of this season and for England as well that's only going to help in bleeding their relationship and their kind of understanding of each other a bit like we're kind of seeing now with Romero and Van der Ven and obviously Tottenham have been crying out for a centre-back partnership that's le- that's um, lived up to the levels that we saw of Alderweireld and Vertonghen for such a long time now. And I think it was made quite clear when Spurs bought Alderweireld that it was down to the fact that he was scouted purely based off the fact that he had played... Well, not purely based off, but part of it was the fact that he played with Vertonghen together through Belgium and, and um, the youth set-up at Ajax and stuff like that as well. So I think... You can sort of see Tottenham trying to do that again now. Obviously, they're both, they're playing together for England, playing together for Tottenham week in, week out. And I think I'd be very as much as I don't want to see <laughs> Romero or Van der Ven pick up an injury or suspension because I think you've mentioned it on the pod a few times that we are one injury away from a real, real problem. I think it would be very interesting to see what Postacoglu would actually do and whether he'd kind of stick to his word of backing someone like Dorrington and giving him the opportunity. So, but also um, the risk is high, isn't it? Because if he was to, yeah, if he was to be, you know, exposed, and because of their both of them are, you know, incredibly young. Uh, Ashley Phillips is eighteen, as well. Um, 
it, it, what damage would that do or could do should they get you know done in a game against a physical striker in the Premier League or any kind of striker in the Premier League um, but it's eventually they may they need to to make some sort of step up and if that is our option that is our plan certainly in the short term as cover for those you know Van der Ven and Romero then it's just something they're going to have to cope with but I think given the way Postacoglu is and the way he manages his team it Mistakes aren't the, cons- the the immediate concern of the players. The players are to play. Any mistake, if you make a mistake in this situation, it's my fault because I'm asking you to be in this situation, which is, um, you know, there's a there's a relatively high percentage that something might go wrong, and you can see the goal. But that is on Postecoglou. He takes it on his shoulders, and the young players, I'm sure, will pick up on that as well. That, that, that you know, just go out there and play. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. That's it's an interesting point you make actually. The fact that you know both Dorrington and Phillips who are sort of sniffing around the first team or certainly a place on the bench and training with the first team in that developing them together whereas it has ha- happened elsewhere with Fatungan and Aldevera but to do it in-house under our uh, tutelage is um, interesting it is interesting yeah. I think as well you've seen actually Phillips he's been on the bench actually for Spurs a few times this year I think it was Burnley away that he was on the bench and I don't Dorrington hasn't had that that level of exposure yet but the fact that he's given Ashley Phillips that opportunity of that exposure of a match day and first team and for not first team football but that kind of match day experience is is obviously really interesting and I think obviously we talked about the fact that Spurs under 21s have so showed such attacking prowess in the league this season we've basically averaged three goals a game across the first eight games we've scored 21 mm. but we've only let in three goals in those first in those incredible. first set of league games which is incredible mm. and um, two of those came two of those only came in the last game against Chelsea who are kind of a direct direct rival of ours and I think it's interesting as well that if you look to January I know we sort of just touched on this briefly about someone like Dyer. I think Def- Spurs definitely need to invest money into a potential centre-back that, that could come in but I don't think it's worth obviously there was so much talk about someone like Edmund Tapsoba in um, in the summer and obviously we ended up with Mickey van der Ven which has proved an excellent piece of scouting and, and decision making but I think Spurs I think Spurs would be wise to invest money into another centre-back who can come in and, and play but I think it's also the investment into these players in terms of their their futures is equally as important and as well like another centre-back that we kind of haven't spoke about um, Luka Vuskovic who was the 16-year-old Croatian centre-back that we signed um, at the end of the summer or kind of in the first few weeks of September he's six foot four in height and Van der Ven and Ashley Phillips and Alfie Dorrington are all very similar in terms of their physical profile they're all over six foot all have that kind of stature but they're all kind of comfortable in possession and can use their physicality to their advantage so it's kind of clear that Tottenham are targeting a similar profile of defender in that in that aspect as well and it actually feels like Spurs have got a clear plan to blood these young defenders to be the future of Tottenham's Tottenham's defence, obviously with Vuskovic, he's only 16 years old, whereas Dorrington and Phillips are at least a couple of years older. So he's going to take a lot of time to kind of uh, to to bleed through. But yeah. I think it's interesting that Spurs are clearly kind of targeting players that have that same kind of physical profile as someone like a Van der Ven, who we, who we, who we brought in. And I think you mentioned it before about Postacoglu bearing the weight of the responsibility of these young players on his shoulders. And I think, you know, it would be... It wouldn't be ideal if, if say, Dorrington or Phillips was to be able to, was thrown in and maybe they make a mistake and it it cost Tottenham in a big game. Obviously, we don't want to see that because we don't want to we don't want that to 
negatively impact Tottenham in the short term in terms of result, but we also don't want that to negatively impact the development of their careers. So you want, but with Postacoglu, you've now got a manager, like you said, that bears that weight of responsibility on his shoulders. Mickey van der Ven talked after the Arsenal game, I think it was, about how you know Spurs were, we were a bit under the pump in that first 20, 30 minutes and playing out from the back as we've wanted to do throughout the course of the season so far was a bit of an issue and Arsenal were kind of setting traps that we were sort of falling into and we could have easily been maybe 2-0 down. But Van der Ven talked about it after the game and talked about how Postacoglu from the sidelines just kept saying, keep playing, just keep going. And I think we kind of, to go back full circle to what we were talking about at the start of the pod, is that he, that that empowerment and trust from Postacoglu in these young guys is a reason why I wouldn't necessarily be worried. I'd be more excited to see what these what Phillips or Dorrington could do if they were given the opportunity and I think one of the only disadvantages of Tottenham I said that, I sort of said this before the season I remember having a chat with um my my dad about this is that I didn't I think being in Europe for Tottenham this season in terms of the where we were at in our rebuild I don't think would have been ideal but if Tottenham made it into something like the Conference League I think that would present a really good opportunity for some of these players to actually get first team minutes and because we've got such a lack of games between now and yeah you know like the foreseeable future for the end of the season it's just the premier league and the fa cup that we're going to be focused on there aren't many opportunities to do that the only opportunities would come if romero or van der ven was to get injured um which touch would they don't or or get suspended so but yeah this i think is, it'd be very interesting to see yeah. what he'd do in instance if that did happen yeah yeah and also it's, it's interesting that that, that actually while there isn't enough games to see these young players play in the first team there would have been if we potentially would have been if we would have uh, like you say qualified for the conference league or something like that actually yeah. you, instead of exposing them to first team football at, at this stage you've got an, essentially another eight months or nine months to the start of next season god willing we're in european football next year yeah. um that that the, the, the these players are all going to be a year long down the line under Postacoglu's system the, with, the, with the coaches all pulling in the same direction in a really positive atmosphere where they're going to be better players next season for it and actually the initial impact that they have could be more substantial than what they would have done this season if um, if they if they'd been given opportunities and they, they would have done because our squad isn't insanely deep in all areas anyway um this has been fantastic ben thank you very much mate and uh, like i say go and follow ben on tiktok it's ben talks football and uh yeah that's another episode of the lab done sports social podcast network